Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. We are back in your ears once again. I am, as always, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. We have got a couple good topics tonight. We are going to talk about Eric Hunter Jr. We're going to talk about Isaiah Thompson for the 2021-2022 basketball season. Uh, Before we get into that, we're going to talk about the new changes to the ticketing system at Ross-Ade Stadium for the upcoming football season. And we will end with a recommendation. But first, Casey, I have got a good question for you. This one I took from our Twitter account. Hit Are me you with ready? It. Okay. So with the NIL changes, uh, someone asked the question, and I apologize. I don't have who asked it in front of me. Name one player at Purdue, doesn't matter the sport, who you would pick for an NIL for a Bob Rohrman commercial. Ooh. It's very specific. It's a very specific vibe you're going for in a Bob Rorman ad. May he rest in peace. <laughs> you got feelings about this, doggy? Bruno right. has feelings <laughs> about Bob Rorman. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously, the way you kind of want to go is who do you think is the biggest goofball? Yeah, yeah. But they also have to be, like, high energy. So I think that takes A.J. Hammonds off the table. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm just going to, a little recency bias, I think. I'm just going to go Trey Williams. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I could see him having the energy for that and the goofiness of it. I've I, seen some TikToks with him. I said I've tangentially seen that he's on the TikTok. I don't follow him. Did you just him. call it the TikTok? I, sure, a TikTok and the. Wow, all right. Just trying to get professional. And I'm the old one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's a better answer. Um, this is... Uh, probably a better answer for, you know, people who spend more time behind the scenes. Uh, honestly, Ryan Klein has all the energy of a Rob 
a Bob Roarman <laughs> commercial. Like, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> so the the ones that immediately sprung to my mind these uh, I thought Tommy Loose okay. uh, because he, he was always great on the video board. You know, um, he's a little low key board. about it though. Like he, yeah, he's low energy. Yeah. Uh, and the other one I thought of is uh, Kelsey Barlow. I thought okay. like with his his strange energy, I, I thought just would fit perfectly with Bob Rohrman. Um But I was trying to think of players who are currently on the team, like football or basketball. Um, There's probably a really good offensive lineman. Yeah. I, like, I, the bigger, the better. Exactly. Offensive linemen were the ones that jumped out to me because they're always the ones that they generally don't take themselves too seriously. And that's what you want in a Bob Rorman ad. You want the to be able to like put in a giant turkey costume and talk about you know their sales at Thanksgiving. Yeah, I maybe uh, now with all these new you know all the NIL stuff, we might get to learn some more personalities. So maybe we'll have a better answer at the end of the year. Maybe we'll see one of them on a. Are there are there no Rorman commercials anymore? I assume it's I, still a thing. Yeah, I assume they're still doing them. They may they may change them up, but I mean. It's too big of a brand to just be like, yeah, we're just not going to advertise anymore. Yeah, so maybe uh, maybe we'll get to see one in live action. Yeah, that'd be pretty great. That'd mm-hmm. be pretty great. So um, I, th- I thought that was a fun question. So if you've got questions you want us to kind of talk about, feel free to hit up Casey, myself, or the Hammer and, Ra- Hammer and Rails Twitter uh, handle and let us know. So we'd love to talk about any random question you've got for us. So- Go ahead and send it to Ledman because I don't know if I have the discipline not yeah. to just answer it right there. That's true. I don't think I'll figure it out. No, I think you're just asking me. <laughs> so, all right. So, the first thing we want to talk about today is the are the changes made uh, to the ticketing system and throughout the stadium at Ross Aid. Uh, for those that did not see, Purdue made an announcement this week. We wrote about it on the site in a little more detail. But to give you a quick rundown, a couple things Purdue has announced for this upcoming season. They're likely related a little bit to the pandemic, but also these are probably things Purdue has wanted to do for a little while. And the pandemic just kind of gave them an opportunity. So Purdue, the ticketing system at Ross eight is now going to be completely digital. Uh, The only way to get a paper ticket is to pay a $10 fee. Uh, We have been told by a representative from the athletic department that you can get your all your season tickets for one $10 fee, um, so you would not have to pay that for each individual game. The other thing they're going to be doing is uh, the concessions is going to be completely cashless, uh, card only. They will have what they're calling, uh, uh, I believe, just cash exchanges. So in essence, they're going to have places where you can buy a concessions gift card, but the lowest denomination you can get is $20. And then you have to use that kind of gift card at the concessions. I mean, if you want two soda pops, you're going to need $20. So I I don't see the It's hard to not spend $20 unless you're just like alone and you're getting a drink. That's, that's really about it. It's like, you're not going to find much for $20 that's going to satisfy you. Yeah, I mean, I kind of brought this up on Twitter. I am apparently and in the you minority. Were you were angry on Twitter. I all wasn't angry. I just think people are all stupid. <laughs> I think they're making way too big of a deal of this. I agree with that. Agree. We all live in a world where everything is super convenient on your phone, and it's almost impossible not to live and do transactions without your phone. In some variety. Old people are not that dumb. They're pretty dumb. Whoa, whoa, whoa. hey, I do not endorse this opinion. With phones. <laughs> with, with with upcoming technology. They can be pretty how, dumb. How about, how about we how about we settle on technologically ignorant? Sure, lawyer. <laughs> 
But I mean, they are capable. It's not that hard to pull up something either from a link or an email or just a photo. They know how to do that. They're taking pictures of their grandbabies. I yeah, promise. See, here, here's the thing that got me is we we did have people coming at us in our mention saying, well, you know, some of these people go to games by themselves and may struggle with this technology. And to that, I have two points. One, how many people are coming to games by themselves that cannot handle a smartphone? Right. I, I don't think that Venn diagram uh, that I don't think that overlap is very big for one. And two, there are going to be ticket takers who are going to be trained in helping people do this. It's not as if the people, you know, scanning the tickets are just going to be like, I don't know. Uh, just go to the back of the line. Or yeah, like, do you know what? Do you know what takes a long time? Trying to find a paper ticket in like a duffel bag or a pocket. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it'll be fine. Everyone's acting like every old person they've ever known goes to every game and they can't figure out their phone. It's yeah. gonna be like a hundred people max that are yeah. particularly affected by that. You yeah, know what? You, don't care. You would think this was like some age discrimination mm-hmm. case based on some of the comments we saw on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and it's just people that don't want to be the person that their grandparents call. That's all it is. <laughs> they don't want to be, they don't want their mom calling them. They're, they want to be drunk at a tailgate at 1030. They don't want to have to leave an extra half hour early to make sure that grandma and grandpa get in the gate. That's all I would it is. Also, I would also like to be drunk at a tailgate at 1030. So we'll see if we can make that happen. Um, they did they did announce one other thing because it did worry me a bit because uh, granted I've only I did not go to a game in Rossade last year I haven't been since the prior season but if you've been to a game you know that cell service in Rossade can be pretty terrible um and that could impact depending on on the app that they use or if you just have to pull up the ticket on a website I'm not sure how exactly they're going to do it um but that could really impact people getting through the gates but in the same press release, they announced that there were infrastructure changes to Rossade that supposedly will make cell service for all major carriers better within the footprint of Rossade Stadium. So that kind of put my fears at ease for that because really I wasn't concerned about people not being able to pull up a ticket or, or you know get it scanned. I was worried about people trying to pull up a ticket in line and the cell towers being overloaded and not even being able to get to the website or the app. But Hopefully with this update that that will not be an issue going forward. Yeah, and hopefully when the ticket comes out, they just have instructions that are very simple. Go ahead, screenshot this, save it in your photos or be able to save it in your wallet, whatever, where it can pull up offline. As long as you have that written out, have the explanation, that's easy enough to follow. It's not too hard. Yeah, yeah. All you have to do for... is prepare ahead of time, which is yeah. what you're going to have to do if you have paper tickets. Right. Or go get them printed out. Yeah, and I mean they did provide a little two-sentence like add to wallet or whatever the hell it is in Google Play um, will be your friend this season on there. So they are at least priming the pump to let people know what they're going to need to do. So I think the first game there's probably going to be some hiccups. You know, there's going to be people who didn't pay attention, who didn't, you know, save their ticket, who don't know what they're doing. But you're going to expect that with any change in any system. So I think given a couple games – the, the system will work great. I'm, I think this is a great idea. It's probably going to save Purdue a lot of money uh, not having to print these tickets. So given the, the money they lost during the pandemic year, it, it's a great decision. It makes perfect fiscal sense to me, and I think it's the right decision. Yeah, and I mean when we're 2-4 and four in October, no one's going to care anyway. Damn it, Casey. We almost <laughs> got through here without 
without talking about how depressed we are about football. Speaking of, I, I, I'm assuming you're about to pivot to what we're going to talk about, Eric Hunter and Isaiah Thompson soon. I am. But I have to interject. I, I should have called this out earlier. I forgot that this has happened. But I think there's something we should touch on for maybe like five minutes. Okay, what's that? Oklahoma and Texas? Oh, my gosh. This is wild. Just, just leaving the – okay, so – uh, what reminded me, I just saw on Twitter an hour ago, Nicole uh, Auerbeck, great over reporter. at the Atlantic, great reporter. Athletic, just tweeted out, neither Oklahoma nor Texas are on the Big Ten, Big 12 call tonight. All 10 schools were invited to intend, attend. What? <laughs> oh, my God. So this They're is ghosting like, them. We're going to see our right? first college football ghosting. This, this is, is great. I mean, this is happening, right? I mean, they're going to the SEC. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, there are just too many things pointing to them leaving to for this to just suddenly be like, oh, no, this was never in the works. I mean, unless something really falls through, I don't see how this doesn't happen. But I think the report said, like, the, the TV deals aren't up until 2025. So this could be a really awkward uh, – <laughs> few seasons for texas and oklahoma yeah uh i mean it, it's a, somebody somebody said on twitter they're like imagine breaking up with your significant other but then being like but i'm gonna live here for the next three years yeah i wonder if they'll make some deal to just get it yeah yeah because i know with cut it out i think that happened with nebraska as well when they were coming to the big 10 people were like well you know their deal's what? not up till x year and then it's like uh, they'll figure it out, and then of course, eventually they did. But I want to, I want to keep our clean rating. But what a fucking mistake that was! <laughs> what Nebraska? Yes. Coming the- oh, why? I'm just. I mean, well, you know, you need a, you need a football uh, powerhouse. <laughs> I was gonna say a uh, historical powerhouse, Nebraska. Just ask them; they'll tell you all about it. So I actually have a, a, a friend What's who grew that? up. Are you basketball or Nebraska? Oh man, that's a good question. They look the same, I, they play the same. They Both red and white, yeah. <laughs> I would almost say Nebraska football because, you know, since the change to the postseason in football, I don't think they've done jack versus at least IU, you know, was in the title game in 2002. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, to me, oh. I would say that's better than what Nebraska has done when, you know, they revamped the whole system and then Nebraska just falls off the face of the earth, so – um, but like I'm saying, I, I actually have a friend who grew up in Texas, so she did not go to Texas. Uh, she actually went to Butler, but cause she, she, her family moved to Indiana, uh, but she grew up a lot, uh, early in her life in Texas. So I texted her today and I was like, uh, you ready to be an SEC football fan? And she's like, no. And then sent the face palm emoji. Um, and her explanation for why, uh, she thinks it's going on. She says, I think it's more of a recruiting thing and ability to make the playoffs, Big 12 gets no respect, which is fair. Uh, a why, one loss. Why would they get respect? Well, that's she's agreeing. She's okay. saying they don't. Yeah, she says that's fair. Uh, she says a one loss team in the SEC gets more love than undefeated Big 12 team. It's not a money grab. They want a better path to the playoff and to be able to tell recruits they're playing in the most competitive conference. So, I I don't disagree with anything she said, but I just. I mean, it's just weird, you know. The, the, I mean, if if Texas and Oklahoma leave, that'll leave the Big Twelve with eight teams, right? Yes. I mean, what do they even do? Do they just fold? I mean, did do they do the other eight teams just spread out elsewhere? I don't know what happened to the Pac-12. Are they still a thing? I, I don't even know. It's like, 
<laughs> I mean, they're less than the Pac-12 now then, right? Yeah, I think there's 10. I, I, I swear to God, I don't even know who's in whose conference. I don't understand the big I have. I would have to imagine legitimately the Big 12 and Pac-12 will join. Yeah, I could see that in, just in order to survive. And I mean, at least they're on the same side of the country for the most right. part. Geography-wise, it's not much worse than what we see or what Texas is going to go deal with as SEC now. Right. I would be a little worried if I'm an SEC team feeling hot and mighty. Uh, Nick Saban's not going to be around forever. A lot of those other teams, they're not looking as bulletproof as they used to. Yeah. Texas is a just, they are waiting to be great again. Okay. Let, we're really, how many times have we heard Texas is back in the last dozen years before it all falls to shit? You don't, I mean, it comes down to hiring the right coach. They are always going to have the chance every three to four years to reset and get the biggest name if they want. I'm just saying, look, I'm just saying they are a hotbed for football. All the talent is there. All of a sudden, that talent gets to call themselves SEC players. There's no financial restrictions at Texas. Austin is one of the most booming, best places to live. I would just look for them to be – it's not that far removed from them being a powerhouse. Okay. I mean, I don't disagree with any of that. But at the same time – they, their athletic department has missed so many times in recent years that it, it just doesn't seem like they're capable of making the right decision right now. The Cubs won a World Series. <laughs> Anything is fine. <laughs> they just to need quote, one high. They need Kevin one coaching Garnett, hire to be right. That's to quote it. Quote Kevin Garnett. Anything is possible. <laughs> so, I mean, college sports is just wild. I mean, you remember back in what? When did all the expansion stuff take place? Was that 2011, 2012? I mean, it was just like every day was a different rumor of some other team going somewhere else. And we got so, Rutgers in Nebraska. <laughs> hey, we got TV markets, which got more money. Uh-huh. Really, that's what we got. New York doesn't have any other schools. I mean, not really. <laughs> I, I mean. Think about it. What big name, like, powerhouse athletic school is in New York? Give me the St. John's basketball team. Really? What have they done lately, ever since Lavin left? Ah, uh, they've been ranked. They're fine. Well, you're you're really selling it. Whatever. I, but, I mean, I, I you know, it's, they got Syracuse, I guess, which is in the state of New York. Um, but, you know, not exactly a uh, powerhouse on the football field, the Orange um, so it, the next few years, next few weeks, uh, are going to be interesting to see where this goes and see if there are any dominoes that fall. There's been a lot of people on Twitter who are saying, you know, who makes sense, you know, that if these other eight if you're going to say Notre Dame, no, 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 no. Okay. Uh, if, if these other eight teams suddenly, you know, scramble to try to find a conference, a lot of people are, are mentioning Kansas as a team that would come to the big 10 merely for basketball. I mean, they they come for everything, obviously, but basketball would be the key there since their football team is abysmal. I don't, yeah, I don't love it. Oh, I don't either. I don't. <laughs> um, but I mean, a lot of people they they pointed out too that um, tech, uh, Kansas is in the AAU, uh, the American whatever you know, the top tier research universities thing. That sure, the, but so is Missouri, and they didn't choose us. Well, I don't know if they didn't choose us or we didn't choose them. I don't know how that works. We, oh God! I wasn't sure who had the rose in that situation, but uh, either way, Nebraska. You'd or, rather have sorry, Missouri than either of those other two, right? Than Nebraska or Rutgers. Um, Rutgers. Yeah. I I would keep Nebraska, get rid of Rutgers, and take Missouri. That like if if I had to take two of the three, those were the two I would take. 
It's chicken shit that Notre Dame's not in the Big Ten, right? It's chicken shit that Notre Dame isn't in a conference. But it should be the Big Ten. It absolutely should be in the Big Ten. They already have rivalries with, like, every program in the conference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no reason for them not to be in the Big Ten except for they're cowards, and they think they're better than everyone, and want to be, well, Notre Dame plays a national schedule, so we need to have the flexibility to play USC, to play the four, you know, scrubs that we play every season, but because it's tradition, it counts, and we don't get criticized for it. Yeah, it's, I don't... It's maddening. It's maddening. They they get to play by their own set of rules, and people are just like, yeah, but the tradition... Uh, no, I don't care. I don't care. Join don't... a conference. I feel like Travis. Join a conference and then you can talk to me. It's <laughs> never like, a good feeling. I know, I know. Love you, Travis. Thanks for keeping us paid. <laughs> um, all right. So now that we've we've rambled on, we'll go ahead and we'll take our break here before we head into talking about Eric Hunter Jr. and Isaiah Thompson for the 2021-2022 men's basketball season. And we are back. So continuing our series uh, that we began last week, we're going to look at each member of the 2021-2022 Purdue men's basketball roster, kind of talk about what we can expect from them next season, maybe what they can uh, work on, look to improve in the offseason. So we are just going down the list. We're going from the oldest players to the youngest players. So today we're starting with Eric Hunter Jr. Um, He is coming into his fourth season uh, with the Boilermakers. So in 2020-2021, so last season, um, he actually saw a uh, pretty large decrease in his three-point percentage. Um, in 2019-2020, he shot 35%, but last year it fell to 27%. Um, and that was about roughly with the same number of attempts. He was at 3.9, so he had more attempts with a 35% percent um, accuracy versus 3.4 with a 27%. Um, he was asked, obviously, to do more on defense last year. So, you know, you could maybe chalk it up to a little bit of that. However, um, he's hovered around the same minutes these last two years. He was 31.5 two years ago and 30.6 last year. So um, we we definitely rely on Hunter a lot on the defensive end. Uh, but I know in high school he was quite a – quite a score um and maybe we maybe we expect a little bit more of that from him this season uh casey what do you look for from eric hunter jr going into this next season first of all i'd like to make sure that he doesn't break his leg right before the season following it would be great following an off season of covid so there's no way he was in tip-top shape to begin with and then breaks his leg misses the first part of the season Unable to practice. Honest Before- to God, I forgot he broke his leg. Yeah. So, I, like, when you were saying that, I was like, are you saying, like, where did this come from? This seems so <laughs> random. And then I'm remembering, yes, he literally broke his leg. Right. Yeah, because it Can happened, continue. yeah, it happened, like, at the start of practice. Got a little crack in his leg. <laughs> Which is never good. No. I'm no doctor, but you don't <laughs> want that. It's not ideal. It's not how they make them. Uh, you prefer <laughs> one solid piece. Yes. So... <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, 
Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Bruno feels the pain. So let's not have that because everything I've heard behind the scenes is at the end of the year, he was just, he was done. Uh, like he didn't have legs. They were oh, okay. Gone. Gotcha. And I'm going to account a lot of that to never being able to get into full basketball shape, all the effects from COVID and everything. And then most importantly, just dealing with that leg injury and having to come back and play a grueling schedule, a COVID-shortened schedule. And just towards the end, I don't think his body had it in him to recover. We saw uncharacteristic, yes, the shooting, but just everything on the offense looked broke to him. Um, 27% shooting for a guy who is a top 10 all-time scorer in Indiana. He was a player with the ball in his hand that could do a lot of stuff. He was really starting to flash that, especially towards the end of his sophomore year. All these things. It wasn't even like he regressed. It's just like he couldn't He couldn't go. He didn't have that gear anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now that I'm legit remembering that he broke his leg, so thank you for bringing that <laughs> up. I, you do you do kind of see it. You know, he was lacking the explosiveness. He, he looked like he wasn't not prepared. He wasn't ready on the offensive end because he was exerting so much effort on the defensive end. And, you know, when you don't have your legs on offense – the shots just won't fall. Um, you know, you're missing everything that you need, you know, is is in your legs uh, on offense. And if you don't have those, it's going to look quite a bit different. And you can tell by the stats uh, that his his shooting was off last year. So maybe given a full offseason, a healthy offseason, um, as well as the ability to actually get together with the team and have full workouts, have full practices, um, hopefully he'll be able to to get back to – to the shape he was in uh, the year prior. So I think that is probably going to be just a huge uh, help for this team. Yeah. I mean, he, in general, he is the second guy guard on the court to instigate offense at most times. Sometimes even need him to do even more, but when he's not the biggest guy, he's not the quickest guy. He's just very good at everything and very skilled and smart. So when he's even more hampered by energy and, you know, the ability to, create plays for himself or shots for himself or for others. He relies a lot on the mid range that takes work to get there. Yeah. Uh, he had a lot of like really nice spinning jumpers last year. Uh, he was really pretty efficient inside the three point line and became a pretty decent shooter. I, I do think there's an identity with his offense that struggles. Sometimes he doesn't really know what he is because he was entirely an on ball player in high school he has some of those skills at times he looks very good doing it but he's not he can't run an offense entirely he's not Jaden Ivy but he does have little flashes and last year I think you could really tell without that energy without that burst he really couldn't get to any of his things and I'm not sure how comfortable he is as just a catch and shoot guy yeah, yeah, he did he did appear to be better like you said in the mid mid-range game and that's something that not a lot of players on this Purdue team kind of excel at. 
You know, we've got people who are drivers, we've got people who play down low, and we've got people like like Sasha and, and others who are shooters from deep. Uh, but Hunter did do a lot of damage in the mid-range game, and if he can continue to do that and improve upon that, it would give the offense, you know, more balance because if we've got Sasha outside, if we've got Trey or Edie down low, then to be able to to have someone like Hunter who can get you at the mid-range shot, even though, you know, advanced to statistics say that's not the best shot, um, it's it still gives you something that the defense has to look out for. I mean, we saw in the NBA Finals one of the teams get there based almost entirely on two of the best mid-range players in the world, uh, Devin Booker and Chris Paul. If you are an on-ball guard and you can be dangerous from the mid-range, especially when you have two dominant bigs inside, that can be really valuable. And Eric Hunter is really good in the mid-range. And in college, you know, any made shot is good. They're not as good at three-point shooting as in the yes. NBA. Yes, Yeah, there's no, there's not many Steph Curry's out there so in that, the college game. So the difference between a three-point shot and a two-point shot in college is actually less a little bit than the NBA just because everyone's not as skilled. But you do want to see Eric Hunter, if he could become a nudge his sophomore year 35% three-point shooting up to that 38 40% while being able to do it with the ball in his hand and off the ball. Yeah, I mean, that's a game changer right there. It really is. It opens up everything. It makes Ivy's life easier. It makes all our bigs have someone to uh, jump out to. If he can become that player, mix that with the defense – Eric Hunter becomes the exact kind of third or fourth option on a team that you see has a ton of success throughout the year and in the tournament. Yeah, the the only player in recent memory who I can think of who had such a huge jump in three-point percentage was, you know, from one season to another, uh, was Keaton Grant. And that's because he put in so much work uh, between, I believe it was his sophomore and junior years, and then he came out his junior year, and suddenly he was a prolific three-point shooter. Um, it didn't carry over – if I'm remembering correctly, it didn't carry over as much to his senior year. But his junior year was was just out of this world. So Hunter, we know, has the ability to make those shots. It's just a matter of can he have an offseason where he remains healthy um, and finds himself back in a position where he's able to take better shots and not be maybe expanding so much energy on defense. So – Hopefully, with maybe a, a few changes here or there and a healthy offseason, he can get back to those numbers or maybe even improve upon them like you suggested. Yeah, because he was making – you were seeing everything that each year he got more comfortable on the offensive end uh, was looking better. He can get to most of his spots on the floor, which is good. And next year, you know, the season's lighting up where he's not going to be a focal point. He's not going to have the best defenders on him. If he is able to take advantage of that as the second or third option – getting the swing ball, taking advantage of some pick and rolls. That's really big for us. And that'll alleviate pressure. We've seen him be, especially in high school, he's got this DNA to be this takeover guy, as well as being, his defense is super, has really impressed me um, from his freshman year on. He's a really good on-ball defender, always up on dribblers, giving him a hard time, long arms. Yeah, his length, his length really gives people trouble. And he is just tenacious, does not stop. Add that with someone special like Ivy, the big guys inside, all the shooting and skill we're going to have around him. If Hunter has a breakout year, it's going to be a lot of success for Coach Vayner's squad. Yeah, yeah. So um, is there anything else we think would be key for Hunter to kind of take that next step and really uh, make, a, make a big difference uh, this season for Purdue? Yeah, I... 
And I got to believe that last year what we saw was very uncharacteristic from him. And like I've said, I've heard behind the scenes that just he didn't he didn't have the gas. He didn't he didn't have the legs to go and be what he was. And you really saw that towards the end of the year. You just got to believe that a full year of rest, a real offseason and a season that he can prep for. He's going to be closer to sophomore year, Hunter, but even better because he's two years removed from. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, Eric Hunter Jr. Sounds like we're we're bullish on Mm -hmm. uh, what he can do next year, especially like like we've said multiple times, if he can have a healthy offseason and get himself prepared both mentally and physically, we expect some pretty good things uh, from the young man coming up next season. So moving on to our second player uh, of the of the podcast, we've got Isaiah Thompson, who's coming into his third season with the Boilermakers. Of course, the younger brother of PJ Thompson, um, you know, former Boilermaker point guard. Now, last year, um, and Casey and I talked about this uh, before uh, we actually started recording, and we were pretty surprised when we were looking at his numbers. Last season, he was just a shade under 40% from three. Uh, we didn't expect it to be that high. He was 39.7%, um, you know, and he, he, he did that in only uh, 17 minutes per game, which was roughly the same as he was his freshman year. Um, you know, his, his role has varied a little bit. Um, he's not he's not been asked to carry the load like PJ was, but uh, he he certainly he steps off off the bench. And Casey, you mentioned some interesting uh, stat about how he does against better competition shooting from three point range. I wonder if you could elaborate on that. Yeah, Ken Palm rates the uh, tier of opponent you play uh, pretty much tier A, tier B, and then there's below that. Uh, Thompson for the year was you know like you said almost forty percent. Against Tier A and B, he was 44% from three. Against Tier A opponents, the top quality players that we played, he was 13 of 24, 54% from three. That that surprised me a little bit, but your remark was, you know, he is a big-time player, which is which is true. We've seen that from him, and it's always a little it, it's a little weird to think the harder the game is, the better they are. Right, uh, right, yeah. You 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 think for a player like Thompson who he he only plays 17 18 minutes a game you wonder when you come in cold off off the bench especially against a big name opponent are you going to be rusty is the defense going to affect you but for him it seems like he comes in he's one of those microwave players you know he comes in and he's immediately ready to go jump start your offense and um you you compared it to uh the way you played when you were at the Korek, you know, dunking on people. So I, I'd love to hear more Korek analogies. So let's hear that. I just think some people, some players, the closer the game gets, the tighter it gets, the, you know, more intense, the more focused they get. And if you're that hard focused on your shot at when you had the ball, you're focusing in on the rim, you know, how you're holding the ball, everything. You don't have time to get worried or scared. You're just hyper focused on the shot, which is good. Now, we have said his numbers are very good in tight game, and they are. He uh, splashed against Rutgers, went four for four from three. Uh, in North Texas, he went three of five. Rutgers, he went three of four for three, sorry. Okay. Uh, he went three of five. He went two of two against Maryland late in the year in February. He went three of five early against Clemson. Yeah, and these are all, I mean, these are all games where Purdue struggled at times, and Thompson came in and he put a spark in the offense. Do you know what else they all were, Ledman? Don't say losses. They were losses. 
<laughs> as soon as you asked that, I was like, wait a minute, Clemson, North Texas, Maryland. These I remember these games. They were not great for us in the end. The best form of Purdue, and this is what it comes down to, and which I've argued for two years almost, and which makes I don't like saying it because you know I, <laughs> well, I like Isaiah Thompson. I, I I loved his brother. I I want him to do well. If Purdue is relying on him, especially in big games, it's not a good sign. He's too small. Yes, he does. He does. He does have a matchup problem against many uh, Big Ten players. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say one other thing. Um, what do you think the most assists he's had in a game last year? Four. So he had six against Oakland. Okay. It's the only time he had more than two assists a game. Really? He's a guard. Well, he's in a point guard. A, he's a point guard in an easy-to-catch three-to-four assist Wow system that's that's surprising he does not have good vision on the court i am constantly yelling when watching in fast break that he just dribbles the ball up instead of gets an outlet pass or a swing pass he is a scoring guard who is you know me they have him listed at 6-1 yeah there's no way he's 6-1 i was just about to say that he's listed at 6-1 160 and i would be amazed if he's six foot so He's a tiny guard that's not very good at getting to the rim, is a good shooter, not phenomenal, who does not have good vision, and he is a liability on defense. There are certain matchups where his quickness and size doesn't go against him, but as soon as he gets switched off or he's supposed to be... When you hike a guard on on the corner and you guys ha- and you have a big man cutting, it's the defender in the corner most times that has to come, to- come over and stop that roll. Isaiah Thompson is not stopping a roll to the rim. Even if he's exactly where he's supposed to be, the big man will catch the ball and lay it in. So you cannot depend on a player that is that much of a defensive liability. So go go ahead, finish your thought. It was just, especially in big games, even if he is making shots, he's just, that is a something to pick on constantly. So if you listen to our last podcast, you know, we talked a lot about the problems that Sasha has on defense and the problems that he's had in NCAA tournaments where, especially in the North Texas game, North Texas clearly, you know, saw something in his defense, figured out a way to scheme to get the guy, the ball with him on defense. And he just got scored on time and time again, given the fact that we know that Sasha can have some liabilities on defense and in, we, I think we both agree, and you've just said, that Isaiah Thompson can also have some liabilities on defense. How does that impact the lineups that Painter can throw out there if he's got two guards, frankly, of our better shooters, um, although Isaiah's at a much lower clip than Sasha is, two of our better shooters are, are not li- – maybe not liabilities is the right word, but have some weaknesses on defense. What does that do to the options that Painter has? It makes it almost impossible. You can't, you definitely can't make a scheme to make up for two defensively liable players. Right. But Purdue's defense is based off helping, particularly down in the post. We'd like to double up top quickly, try to stop any threat from a drive. If you have a guy on the wing, which Isaiah Thompson isn't a pure point guard. He's a lot of times coming in and he is that off guard. He's guarding yeah. someone bigger than him already, but you literally have a guy who can't rotate over and help, and that makes defense just almost impossible to do. Because well, especially the way Purdue plays it, you mean, yeah, yeah. And for the most part, uh, NCAA Reference has uh, some advanced stats like plus minus and stuff. Right. His offensive 
Vox plus minus uh, 1.8. The only players lower, which this is a little surprising, Brandon Newman, 1.4. And then Eric really? Conner at wow. 0.1. Aaron Wheeler at 0.5. Oh, wow. But all, right. all three of them are positives on the defensive end, in a way. Wheeler had the highest defensive rating for a team by far. At, I'm uh, this Wheeler. I'm a, I always I like too. Wheeler. I, I mean, I know he took a lot of crap, but I, I think you might have said this in our chat a few times. He was a victim of his own success. He he showed such promise and so such flash early on that we expected so much of him. His I believe it was his sophomore year, right? And then he just didn't deliver. And then he showed he showed more last year, which would have been his junior year, but it, it just wasn't enough for for a lot of fans. And I think he probably took a lot of crap on social media, probably unfairly. Um, especially, you know, I think it was Dockage who said, you know, this guy's going to be an all American. He's the greatest blah, blah. He reminds me a lot of Kevin Durant and you're like, Oh God, now you've screwed him. Um, so uh, he's a guy I'm in a mess, but uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Go ahead. So defensive plus minus is the lowest of all the players that played a regular role. Is 1. it still 5. a plus? Okay. At least it's still positive. Still positive over a... It's an estimate of defensive points per 100 possessions a player contributed above a league average player. Average, yeah. But we have a we had a squad full of really good defensive players for the most part, and his number was the only one sub two besides Trey. who who was listed as the best uh, Aaron defensive Wheeler. plus minus Aaron Wheeler. At okay, wow, he, yeah, nearly doubled the next guy. But his box plus minus was the second lowest on the team behind Eric Hunter in it. Wasn't particularly close between those two. They're both okay. much lower than the rest of the squad. So looking ahead at the 2021-2022 basketball season, we assume that someone like Jaden Ivey is probably going to be asked to have the ball in his hands quite a bit. Maybe not Carson Edwards level, um, but he's – I mean, do you agree he's going to be asked to to make decisions and, and have the ball in his hands a lot? Yeah. I mean, okay. it's, it's not going to – it's – the only reason it's not going to be Carson level is Trey. Exactly, exactly. It's the only uh, reason. You know, when you've got a guy like Trey, you don't not feed him the ball. But my point is, when if Jaden Ivey is going to be asked to have the ball in his hands quite a bit, what does that do for a guy like Thompson, whose main role has really been handling the ball as we, you know, bring it down the court? And is he going to be put into a more situational role where he's only going to be coming off the bench, you know, when we need a pop from a shooter or what is his role going to be? Is he going to be a backup point guard or is he going to be shifted to more of a two position? Hopefully a two position because he doesn't have any of the skills you want in a point guard. He's not a playmaker and he's not a creative shot for himself player. A lot of that is just due to size. But like I said, doesn't have the best vision. His assist yeah. rate was 9.7. Only Zach Eady had a lower assist rate Ooh, on the team. You don't love that for a guy who plays predominantly point guard for you. So I, Zach Eady couldn't pass to start the <laughs> right. Well, you know he's used to hockey passes. No, <laughs> he didn't know how to do any. So, so the the only thing I'll say is we we can't blame it entirely on height because Lou Jack was was shorter. No, uh, absolutely than Thompson. Um, but you know Lou Jack was a pure point guard. Yes, um, as you said, Thompson is a bit of a tweener between the one and the two. Uh, but... He was a scorer in high school. That's what he did. He shot, he scored. He, he's quick, but he's not tall. He's not long. He doesn't have the best handle. He's not like creative with this handle. Doesn't make great angles. 
for himself or other players. He's pretty straight line as a player. Um, like he really does not have a high ceiling on offensive end, defensive end. He's a liability. So I, there's not a, there's not a Purdue squad this year that's going to be at its best with Isaiah Thompson on the court, unless he starts shooting above 50%. So let me ask you this. I'm trying to trying to find an optimistic take here from your dark, dark opinion. <laughs> so if Thompson is asked to do less, if he's not asked to be the decision maker on the court, if he's not asked to be the one to make those passes and find the right guy, if he does come in in more of an off-the-ball, off-guard position and his three-point shooting – continues to to increase as it did from his uh freshman to his sophomore year you know it went from 36 percent to 39 i mean obviously you know 50 percent is quite an ask but if he goes up to 42 43 i mean that is an area where he could be a real asset to purdue coming off the bench don't you think he's gonna fit well with Edie. we're gonna explain, need why, a- explain why you mean that because we're gonna need someone anchored at the rim when he's on the floor defensively we're going to need someone who doesn't get moved out of the post too much. You can really rim protect and he'll be a good spot up shooter on easy passes, which when Trey's in there, you know, he's going to be able to make any pass. Edie advanced towards the end of the season to making kickouts and easy passes. Um, so to have someone like Thompson as a sharpshooter, you're, you're never going to say no to someone who can shoot that high of a percentage, but that is where he maxes out as a, viable and effective option for coach Painter. I think I'm more optimistic about his future than you are. Um, I know there are different people, especially even in our group chat who are big Isaiah Thompson fans and you are not among them. I mean, I think that's, I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. I like the kid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to, obviously we're not talking about him as an individual. We, we love all these guys, you know, they, they're representing Purdue and we want the best for him. But when it comes to, you know, being on the court, you have to just look at the numbers. You have to look at the situations and like it or not, you know, some players are going to be outplayed. Some players are going to, are going to look bad when they get on the floor. And it's not our job to make these guys feel good about themselves. It's our job to kind of assess the situation as we see it. So, um, you know, we, we have to understand that they are college kids and they've got a lot going on in their lives, but you know, we, we cover college sports, as part of our, you know, part of our lives here. So we've got to, we've got to be honest with what we see. So, um, I don't think you've, you've, you know, said anything wrong or, or <laughs> too harsh, but I'm sure we'll, ha- we're going to have people coming at us in the comments, but all I will say is I, I think Thompson can have a, a good role on this team as a guy who, who comes in for 10 to 15 minutes a game and, and maybe jump starts an offense. As you said, I don't think he's going to be someone who we want to play 25, uh, 30 minutes a game, because if that happens, that means someone on our team has gotten into deep foul trouble. Maybe we've got some injuries um, or, you know, the the alternative is it's it's a run out and we're just trying to get some people some minutes, whether that be a run out in our favor or against us. But I, I think Thompson is a guy who can find a role on this team it's just not going to be the the same minute heavy role that his brother played. Yeah. Um, do you so, know who Do you know who play played for less than twenty five minutes a game last season? Other than Thompson, you mean? Yeah, Jay Ivey. Yes, I nailed it. Got it just under the wire. Also, Brandon Newman. Okay. Those two have to play more minutes next year. Yeah, I mean, th- there's no doubt Ivy's gonna Ivy's gonna be probably in the thirties. I would think. Easily. You know. Um. It. it for for Ivy, I think it's all a matter of 
how many minutes can he handle and what can he do with foul trouble? Um, Is he going to be able to not get himself into foul trouble? Um, So, you know, so that is what we think of what we're looking at for Hunter Jr. and for Thompson next year. Um, Obviously, we we've got a lot of players to go, but we're going to try to be as honest as we can. Um, We're not just going to try to sugarcoat things and say everybody's going to be an All-American. Everybody's going to win player of the year because that's just not reality. And there's no sense in any of you listening to us if we're just we're just going to say everything's rosy and and, uh, you know, all these guys are the, the greatest players to step on the floor because that's, you know, that's simply not the case. Yeah, I he will have moments. He will have shots. Uh, there'll be times where we're going to need him. And he is very, he's very, you know, he has, he has some skills that can really show and he's probably overqualified for that role. It's just he has physical limitations and doesn't combine the kind of playmaking that can leverage his strengths on the court in a way that makes the other players better. Yeah. I mean, I think if you've watched Purdue for any number of years or college basketball in general, you know that anybody can be the hero on any given day. I mean, just look at what John Hart did against Illinois when he wasn't even in the scores book um, and saved our asses in that game. Even though it cost Purdue a technical, he still went onto the floor and basically won that game for Purdue all those years ago. So uh, Thompson obviously is going to have a little more of an impact on a season than John Hart did that year. But the same idea is in play that you never know what is going to happen on any given night. And Thompson, I'm sure, will still play, you know, 15, 16, 17 minutes a game. And he's just got to be ready to come in. I know. I'm just I'm looking at reality here. Okay. Ethan Morton played eight minutes a game. Yes. Okay. Uh, You make Ethan is going to take a lot of those minutes. Morton is Morton, I think, is going to have the biggest jump from last year to this year. I'm a huge Ethan Morton fan, and I think he's going to make a huge difference for us. So you've convinced me that maybe Isaiah Thompson is going to lose some minutes. So maybe I'm looking at 10 to 12 minutes a game uh, for Thompson. Uh, you've you've convinced me already just by just by saying the name Ethan Morgan. Yeah, we went through all that without mentioning maybe the best playmaker on our team when healthy. Yeah, right. So, Potentially in the future. Yeah, yeah. When trades up. <laughs> right. A lot of caveats. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so that is what we think for those guys. And next time, you know, we've got a couple more players we're going to look at just to give you one of the uh, a nice tease. Ethan Morton and Jaden Ivy are next. So. Uh, Casey is going to be super excited to talk about Jaden Ivey and I'm going to be super excited to talk about Ethan Morton. So that is going to be on the next, on the next podcast. So, uh, two things before we go one, we are recording this before the men of Mackie play. So we do not know, uh, the outcome of that. They have, they, they play on Friday. So that by the time this comes out, uh, you will likely know, uh, the outcome and if they have a second game, uh, but we will obviously not discuss that um discuss that tonight so second thing is uh we are going to make a recommendation and it is my turn this week and i am going to tell you about a television show that i am currently in the (laughs) middle of watching uh so it it could go terribly wrong because i'm not finished with it um but i've listened i listened to the podcast that it was based off of because as an east coast as an east coast elitist i have to listen to numerous podcasts it is a requirement it's a TV uh, we, show based on a podcast. Yes, but it is a podcast based on true life. So it's like a true true life podcast. Um, and then they turned to the podcast. It was like an investigative podcast 
into a TV show. And again, I did this last time too. This is only on Peacock. So if you don't have Peacock, you can't watch it. Um, the podcast is Dr. Death. Uh, it is. Oh, this has, um, Colin Farrell? No. No. At least not that I know of. He may, maybe he's in a later episode, but he's not, he's not in it so far. It's got, um, it's got Alec Baldwin. It has got, uh, Joshua Joshua Jackson. Jackson. That's what I was thinking of. Sorry. And, uh, Christian Slater. Uh, are all in it, and it's basically the story of uh, the, these two doctors – well, three doctors. Um, Christian Slater plays one of the doctors. Alec Baldwin plays the other, and uh, they've got a colleague who they basically think is a, a terrible doctor, um, and they're trying to go about kind of getting him removed from the medical profession. And if you are squeamish at all – this is not a show I would recommend for you because they're these are surgeons, so they're going like into operating rooms and talking about back surgeries, and they're just like they're showing Joshua Jackson's character, who's the the one that they they believe is screwing up. They don't know if it's on purpose or if he's just a psychopath, and he's just hammering into these people's these spines, like putting in equipment, pulling out vertebrae, and you're just like. Oh God! I it's like I don't know if I can watch it. It is it is hard to watch if you're a squeamish person. But uh, it it is it's it's been enjoyable so far. My wife and I have really liked it. Uh, so again, name of the show is Doctor Death. It is only on Peacock. Um, so it is it is a recommendation for me. But like I said, if you're squeamish, don't know if I'd go there. So it's a qualified recommendation. All right, fair enough. Sounds interesting. Might have All to right. give that a little uh, peek on the peacock. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> a wordplay. Love it. All right. For Casey and myself, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, comment. Give us a question on Twitter. Whatever you need to do. We love the interactions. We love to talk to the folks who are listening. Hammer that subscribe button. And, folks, we will see you next week. And Ted Lasso comes out tomorrow. So from the yeah, back of the room, barbecue sauce! I believe. Spent with you all that I don't